Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton Thompson. If you want to create change in any area of your life, you're in the right place. Together, we'll explore the strategies and tools I've used to lose over 100 pounds, pay off $130,000 in debt, and become a multiple seven-figure business owner. I've supported more than 3,000 women to levels of execution and fulfillment they didn't know were possible. Together, we'll break your past patterns and eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, sharing with you one of, if not the most powerful lessons that I've ever learned. And it's funny, I, I, I have an email going out here shortly to my VIP list. And I, I ask the question in the email, do you ever feel like you keep learning the same lesson over and over and over. But as I wrote it, I was like, maybe it's not that at all. Maybe you learn it once and then the universe, the world, circumstance gives you a ton of opportunities to practice. And the lesson for me that either I've learned a million times or I've learned and then had so many times to practice is that we have to move quickly from the problem to the solution. And we have to spend significantly more time, energy, emotion, effort in the solution than we do towards the problem. And guys, I wish I had learned this long before I did. But once I learned it for the first time, I could see how, if I knew it previously, it would have saved me so much trouble. And I write about this uh, in chapter nine of Chasing Cupcakes. I tell the story of when I was building a custom tiny house. So for years and years, I lived in North Carolina with my first husband. We bought a house. We sold the house. We rented for a while when I was starting a business. Um, And then when we divorced, I moved back up to New England. I rented for a while and I don't know why, but I just got this wild hair to build a custom tiny house. If you haven't watched the tiny house shows on TV, I think that's what kind of inspired me. And I found somebody who would do it for me custom. I didn't want to buy one that was made just generically because there were specific things that I wanted. So it probably took, I gosh, I don't know, maybe it took about a year to design it, build it, get it out to me. And I was so excited. And I loved, 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 loved this tiny house. A lot of you guys were along for the journey when I lived in the tiny house. And um, I loved it. But when it arrived to me, it was manufactured very far away. Uh, I won't say where because did not have a great uh, experience with a manufacturer. So they had to have a big haul, you know, heavy duty, what are they called? Wide load uh, trucker, truck it 
20 hours or so to me in Massachusetts. And guys, I was so excited. I mean, this had been a daily process, a daily journey for like a year, and I couldn't wait to have it and live in it, and I was just over the moon. And when it was on its way to me, the problems began. I remember I was, I, we used to, we now do, but we took a little hiatus. Back then, we would have dinner with Chris's parents once a week. And uh, my, my mom didn't live nearby at the time. And so we were out to dinner, me, Chris, his parents, and I get a phone call from a number I don't recognize. And I think the only reason I answered it was because I knew that the tiny house was on its way to me. Normally, I do not answer phone. I don't even answer the phone from people I do know. Never mind. People I don't know. I'm one of those people. Uh, I think phones are for texting, uh, not for phone calls. And I answer the phone and it's this guy and he's pissed. I remember stepping outside of the restaurant and this guy is basically screaming at me that my tiny house was wider than the paperwork said that it was. So this guy who's screaming at me is the driver of the truck transporting my tiny house. And he's screaming at me that he just went through a toll and ripped off the exterior lights on the tiny house because the paperwork was wrong. And he was under the impression that it was X many feet wide and it was really Y many feet wide. So I'm getting yelled at by this guy. I'm like, I, I didn't do the paperwork. I didn't hire you. I, I, I don't know anything about this. What, what would you like me to do, right? So that's problem number one. I go inside and I'm like, I don't know the extent of the damage. I don't know if there's like holes in the exterior walls. I know nothing. I just have to wait. Then a few days later, the tiny house gets to me and it's, oh my God. Well, it's beautiful on the inside, but so many problems. So many problems. And I had no clue what to do to fix it. Things like the plumbing was backpitched, so it wasn't draining properly. And then while we were trying to get it hooked up, there was this uncharacteristically cold weekend. I mean, it's cold in New England in the winter anyway, but it was like, like an Arctic freeze came through and everything froze. All of the lines, all of the plumbing, like, and because it was backpitched, trying to defrost it wasn't working. I mean... You guys. Oh, also in transit, they hadn't secured the washer and dryer. So they had fallen over inside of the tiny house and caused interior damage. I mean, that's literally like three of a hundred things that went wrong. And I had paid in full at this point because you had to pay in full in order to take delivery. And I was just, oh my gosh, I was so mad. I was so mad. And I would constantly say to Chris, we weren't living together at the time, but we were, you know, living near to each other. And every single conversation was about like the newest issue and what was I going to do and how was I going to fix it? And it's not like there's a big industry of people who work on tiny houses to fix them for you. So I'm trying to get the manufacturer to fly out to New England. And this was like right over Christmas, New Year's. Um, I was trying to get a hold of them, trying to get them on a flight, trying to get them to come out. Everything's frozen. It was so bad. And it got to the point, this is weeks of chaos, when it just hit me over the head that I was giving so much more time and energy to the problem than I was to the solution. And the reason that it came about was Chris, my husband, who I was dating at the time, said something 
about like what a disaster it was and I can't believe that this is happening and you've been ripped off and blah, 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 blah. And I got pissed at him. Even though I had been doing the very, very same thing, I was super pissed. I said, you know what? That's not helpful. And if you have something to say that's going to help me solve this, please, I'm all ears. But if you're just going to talk about the problem, it does me no good. Keep your mouth shut. And literally as the words are coming out of my mouth, I'm like, uh, hello, pot, meat, kettle. I had been doing the same thing. And the manufacturer was doing the same thing. I was blaming him for all these problems. He was defending himself and trying to justify every single problem. And shortly thereafter, after my little interaction with Chris, I got on the phone with the manufacturer and I said, listen, the problem is what the problem is, but we need to shift now to exclusive solution focus. We do not need to give any more time or any more energy or any more emotion to this problem. We need to give it to the solution. And eventually, we, we sorted through everything. But as I kind of learned that lesson, I could see how true it was in so many areas of my life that I had struggled with for the first 30 some odd years of my life when I was super, 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 super overweight, over 350 pounds, I gave so much more time and energy and emotion and effort to the problem. What's wrong with me? You know, I'm so inconsistent than I did to the solution. And if I had given as much energy as I was giving to the problem, to the solution, I would have solved it long before. So then fast forward, you know, tiny house period of my life is over and we move into this this old cape built originally in 1707, like old 1707. And we start doing renovations and with renovations comes problems. And every single time that I would get sucked into problems like the roof is leaking or um, you got so many problems, like you uh, did something illegally and now our house is structurally unsound or uh, you, I could give a, a million examples. I would remind myself, the problem is what the problem is. But here, I need to move my energy, my attention, my focus, my effort to the solution as quickly as possible and as completely as possible. And it's something that I get to practice in my marriage. The problem is what the problem is. Let's move to the solution. I get to practice with my body when I have feelings about my, my postpartum figure, my postpartum strength, the way my clothes fit postpartum. I want to move quickly from the problem to the solution. I want to give dramatically more time and energy and emotion and effort to the solution than I do to the problem. This is something that I talk about in detail in chapter nine of Chasing Cupcakes. It's probably could be my favorite chapter of the whole book. I'm not going to share all of it, but, but I want to I share a little bit of it. So the, the title of the chapter is called Customer Service is an Inside Job. After a few seconds of focusing on the problem, you are best served to move to the solution. Don't stay with the problem beyond the point of establishing an understanding of it. I don't read a lot of magazines. In fact, I only have one current magazine subscription. It's to the Harvard Business Review. I find an inspiring number of parallels between the strategies that create success in business and the tactics that create success in life. 
there was an article in the January-February 2018 issue called Sorry is Not Enough that helped me understand the requirements for creating change more clearly. The article was looking at the types of customer service approaches that drive the most satisfaction and dissatisfaction when customers are facing a service problem. The researchers reviewed a series of service experiences within the airline industry. I was immediately intrigued, not because I have a passion for customer service industry, but because at its most basic level, like creating personal change, customer service is about overcoming challenges and solving problems. I'm sure you've had a less than stellar experience with an airline. Maybe your flight was canceled or your bags were lost. In those moments, what do you want? Would you rather have an apology from an empathetic airline representative or have a creative, energetic problem solver take concrete action steps to resolve your problem? I think most of us want the latter. Sure, empathy feels nice, but it doesn't get us anywhere. You want the problem solved as quickly and pleasantly as possible. So back to this Harvard Business Review article. So the researchers categorized the responses from airline representatives as either relational work or problem-solving work. Relational work includes things like listening to the customer's complaints, apologizing, empathizing, and expressing understanding. Things like, I'm sorry you're frustrated. We'll get you out of here as soon as we can. My sister's flight was canceled last month and it delayed her vacation, so I know how upsetting this can be. Problem-solving work is any attempt to deliver a solution. Things like, here are our options. We can get you on a flight to a different hub and you can still make your connection, or I can get you on the first flight tomorrow and provide you with a $500 credit for hotel accommodations this evening. So the article concluded, and this is a, this is a quote from the article, an apology that extends beyond the first seconds of an interaction can reduce customer satisfaction. Employees should instead focus on demonstrating how creatively and energetically they're trying to solve the customer's problem. I don't think that surprises you either, right? Like you want the person to be polite, yes, but then very quickly move to helping you solve the problem. But let's not just agree and and rush along from that. There's so much we can take from this when we break it down. What we can take from it can dramatically improve our ability to create change and help you identify ways you're holding yourself back. It doesn't help much if an airline agent dives deeper into the problem after the core of the issue has been identified, right? Like if they say like, oh, they're trying to get to Omaha, huh? I've never been there. What's in Omaha? Business or pleasure? Like who cares? Get me there. Let's fix this. And that might seem obvious in customer service, but we often ignore the obvious necessity of moving quickly from problem to solution in our own lives. We spend a lot of time thinking about, complaining about, and rehashing the problem long after we have enough information to proceed to the solution. We take an unnecessarily long and deep dive into the problem and our feelings about it more than is helpful. So as the article suggests, after a few seconds, seconds of empathy, once a baseline understanding has been established, you are best served to move to the solution. And the researchers don't just suggest that you quickly move to problem-solving work. It says employees should demonstrate how they are trying to solve the problem. That word demonstrate is critical because demonstration requires action. 
Satisfactory outcomes require that we not only identify solutions, but we act on them. We act on them. And then there's another part that stands out to me in this article's conclusion. It talks about creatively and energetically. Employees should instead focus on demonstrating how creatively and energetically they are trying to solve the customer's problem. Wouldn't you love to have a customer service representative creatively and energetically take action to solve your problems? I know I would. I want to get that person every single time. Every single time. This is how we need to tackle our own problems, moving quickly from the problem to the solution, and then demonstrating creative and energetic solutions. I mean, this is your life, right? The problem, whatever it is that's keeping you from your best life or your healthiest self is certainly more deserving of creative, creative energetic problem solving than your canceled flight, right? Or the issue with your cable bill or your broken washing machine. What if you employed this approach in your own life? Things would look really different. What if in your marriage you moved quickly from the problem to the solution and got creative and energetic about finding a solution? What if in your fitness you didn't bemoan the problem, the past, the pattern, you moved quickly to the pro- to the solution from the problem, and then we're creative and energetic in your approaches, in the way you demonstrated the options you have for your solution. It would be a game changer, and it can be a game changer. You can start today. You can practice with the small things. You absolutely can practice with the small things. So I got a, a letter from my lawyer the other day, and um, is a matter that we have going on. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, seriously, this letter and the bill and this, that, and the other thing. And I was kind of bemoaning it. Like, seriously? Really? And when I think about it, okay, am I clear on the problem? Do I have a basic understanding? Then I'm going to move to the solution. How can I be creative? How can I be energetic? Maybe I need to think outside the box. In fact, I do need to think outside the box. We all need to think outside the box. That's what it means to be creative in our approach to solutions. I shared, I think, last month about one of my big priorities this year is getting healthier, losing weight that I gained in my pregnancies in 2020 and 2021. And when I first started, I felt kind of frustrated because I was nursing full time and that seemed to make a lot of the nutritional improvements I wanted to make a little more challenging because if I started to eat differently or eat less, it would affect my milk supply and that was the big priority. So then I challenged myself to be creative, to be creative in the solution. And I thought, you know what? What if I make my priority right now building muscle? Because I lost a lot of strength in both of my pregnancies for many reasons, many of which are my responsibility and it doesn't even really matter whose responsibility it was. But it's not just oh, well, I should wait, or oh, well, I should stop nursing. I can be creative. What if I set a different goal to capitalize on the fact that I'm eating a little bit more than normal? Yeah, I can do that if I incorporate a little more protein and I get more consistent with my weight training and I go a little heavier in the gym. Perfect. That's what it looks like. That's what we need to do to be creative, energetic problem solvers and move quickly from the problem to the solution. We talk in this chapter, and I'm not going to read this, but we talk about 
four phases when we're in this place of moving from problem to the solution, sensing, settling, seeking, and solving. And understanding those four phases will help you understand, where am I? Am I in the problem? Am I in the solution? Or if you're in the problem and you don't know how to move to the solution, because I know that comes up a lot, it's going to guide you there as well. I also give a bunch of examples here and how I've applied this to my life, how I, I talk about the, uh, the tiny house situation and how I applied it there. You've got to read this chapter. Even if you already have the book, go back and reread this customer services and inside job chapter. It's, uh, it's a longer chapter, but it's really important. The way I want to wrap this up is there's a bunch of questions at the end of the chapter, and I just want to read you the questions at the end of the chapter. You don't have to answer all of them, but maybe there will be a couple that jump out of you. To what problems are you not applying creative energetic solutions? On what problems can you practice, right? Because you don't have to start with the biggest, most obvious one. You can start with something small. If someone else was in charge of solving the problems in your life, if it was their actions and their energy that made the difference, how would you want them to show up? What would you want them to do? How can you be more creative and energetic in the way you solve problems in your life? In which phases of the problem do you feel you are wasting energy? In the sensing phase, the seeking phase, the settling phase, or the solving phase? Where do you need to spend more time today? In which of those phases? How can you practice today? How can you practice this week? What activities do you need to stop or reduce? How will you implement those changes today and this week? How can you work to ensure that you're giving energy and attention to solving activities each day versus sensing activities, settling activities, seeking activities? What will solving look like for you today? And lastly, how will you demonstrate creative energetic problem solving? And if you're thinking, well, I don't know what creative would be. I don't know how to be creative. My recommendation for you is to go into the Primal Potential Facebook group. It's a free community. And ask, say, this is the thing that I'm working on and I want to be more creative. What ideas do you have? Because oftentimes we're just thinking in the ways we've always thought. So getting some ideas from other people, especially other people who have read this book and familiar with the concept, is a really great way to break free of any rut. So check out that chapter. I'm going to go see why my baby's crying. Have an amazing day. Hope to see you in the Facebook group. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed it, make sure to take a few seconds to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. It not only supports the show in a huge way, but it also automatically enters you into our weekly product giveaway. For more tools, tips, and strategies on creating change, check out my first book, Chasing Cupcakes, and follow me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. Remember, every choice is a chance, and I'll see you next time.